2022 continues to be a roller coaster in the market. Are we entering a crash? Are we slowly going into a correction? We don't know. But ways to fortify your portfolio and how to prepare just in case we're entering either one on today's podcast. We're untangling financial issues. Welcome to Your Finances Untangled with Mo Param. Mo is a financial advisor and partner with Cloudvestor. Untangling Your Finances. Welcome to the podcast once again with Mo Param of Cloudvestors that offers the convenience of, uh, well, meeting with your team member from home if you'd like, because it's virtual planning, but with the human touch. Mo, greetings to you. Greetings, Dave. How are you? So greetings. We're actually recording on February, I'm sorry, March 11th in the morning. And it's the weekend before we, but I, you know, it could be afternoon when you're listening to the podcast. So I just said <laughs> greetings, but this is the weekend we're recording where we spring forward. We uh, set the clocks up an hour, get longer days. Longer days. I Not like really. That. It's just longer. It feels longer because it's light. <laughs> Um, yeah, but it gets lighter earlier, you know, so that that's that that's that's always great, right? Stays lighter longer. Yeah, I like that better because um, you know, you get some time when you get home from work to still be outside and enjoy. Spring's just around the corner. We're in the midst of March madness and we're in the midst of March Madness on Wall Street. <laughs> I mean, we're going to talk about crashes and corrections and look back at the history of uh, stock market crashes in the history of Wall Street. Uh, we're going to talk about how to make sure your portfolio is properly fortified. And I know, Mo, you said you, you're uh, in the last couple of weeks, you've been really busy talking to clients, but they know that if they feel concerned or confused, they can call you. Yeah, that's that's the beauty of having an advisory team that's working for you that, you know, you you can reach out to us whenever you need to. Right. So whether it is, hey, Mo, I just need like five minutes of your time. Can you just explain you know, my portfolio, you know, all the activity that's going on? How does it relate to the market? Um, you know, I've heard about this. What's going on overseas? Like, am I protected or am I not? You know, any whatever it is, whatever qualms are going through or, or questions that you have. Yeah. When you have that, when you have that f fiduciary advisor, that relationship, you can always, uh, you can always reach out to us whenever you need to. Well, we, you know, we already had con uh, uncertainty with inflation and then the interest rate hike talks and then of course the situation in Ukraine certainly I think exacerbated the 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 the, the unknown and and the the feeling of panic the emotion that comes with that so it's great to have that team member you can call uh, to put things into perspective, maybe, you know, uh, make sure and, and reassure, look, we've got you set up like this and we're going to look at how Mo sets his clients up. I do have a question for you. We're looking at some of the terminologies in the markets. So I was reading um, uh, a few days ago, I guess it was, that we had hit correction territory. Um, what is the difference between a correction and a crash? Sure. Um well, a correction is a slow process, right? It's slow moving, um, and once you hit certain levels, then you've you've hit a correction. So, so normally a correction is considered when the market drops ten percent from the latest high. Okay. So, if it's hit a high at a certain point, 
once it's gone below 10% of that of that number, then we're entering a correction period. 10% is a correction, okay. 10% is a correction from its last all-time high. From, and okay. so that can take, yeah, so let's say the high was January 1st of the S&P 500, right? So okay. That's, that's the all-time high. Mm-hmm. And then, I don't know, let's just say February 1st or February 15th, whatever, it's it's now down eleven percent from that from that high. Okay. Well, we've entered a correction. You're in it. Okay. You're in the you're in a correction. Uh, so that again, so you saw how that that pathway took what I say February fifteenth. So that's probably what six weeks, mm-hmm. seven weeks. So we're into the correction period because it took some time to get there, but we still hit that measure of ten percent uh, uh, re- reduction. A crash happens like in a second. Right. If that 10 percent drop hits within a, a day or two. Right. Now you're talking about a crash. OK. Right. Now we're hitting a crash because it's happened. It's happened so um, so fast. As so we remember from days of the I, the most specific, you know, that day event in my lifetime that I remember is Black Monday, 1987, because it was a day. Boom. It will. Yeah, what was it? Twenty five percent, I believe. I can't remember, but I know it was. It, it, and you know, I was much younger, but I remember everybody saying, "Did you see what happened yesterday?" And then, it, it, my perception is, and I'd have to look up the history, is that it rebounded quickly from that. But I need to check the history on that. Yeah, I think the market rebounded from Black Friday. It took about, you know, kind of two years for the market to rebound. Which is which is in some like totally right? rebound from that totally rebound. I got from you. That, from okay. that selling, um, but yeah, I mean because of that, uh, there were things called like circuit breakers that were introduced, and what the circuit breaker does is it it stops trading, right? So that way the market doesn't crash too fast. And we saw circuit breakers during COVID when things were just going when we just saw such a rapid decline. They just cut it off. Uh, they just cut the trading, mm-hmm. and you couldn't trade. And that was just to kind of you know, ease the market a little bit, right? Uh, to avoid, you know, another type of Black Monday incident. Okay, so we looked at Black, since we're on the subject of history, and I did verify, you were right, that's 25% on uh, Black Monday, 1987. You were also mm-hmm. correct in it pretty much full recovery, I guess you could say, in two years. Let's go back to 1929. Did they have those circuit breakers in place then? (laughs) (laughs) No circuit breakers then. Uh, They probably should have had. Uh Um, But yeah, 1929, the the, basically the beginning of the Great Depression, market just just plunged. And Uh, and that wasn't that, that was more than just a one day event. If my history yeah, is correct. No. Yeah. Yeah, no. The, the market plunged leading into the depression, right? The Great Depression, right? Yeah. Um, and so not just the market, but the economy. I mean, everything everything was just awful, right? But even in um, 1929, I don't think it was, it wasn't just like a one Black Monday. I mean, I think it was, no. yeah, a, multi, a period in 1929. Period. Yeah. Yeah. I think, uh, I think it bottomed out that like, 80% below its like its peak values. That's a lot. Which is, which is a lot, right? I mean, that is that is insane. I mean, that's why they call it the Great Depression, right? Exactly. I mean, it took a yeah. lot of work to just to get and crawl ourselves out of it, not just the market, but the economy overall. Um, yeah, it took like almost like two decades, really, to recover from 
everything, right? From all the impact of not just the market yeah, itself, yeah. but all the ripple effects that that ran its course through the economy. And war is uh, terrible, but World War II probably helped the economy in, in the long run, I guess you could say. Uh, I mean, we got people working. Got people um, working big time. Uh, not to mention, you know, the FDR programs did too. But uh, and I'm not saying war is horrible, but it did help in that. You can't. It did. Uh, you have it to did. acknowledge that that it did. You know, on the subject but, of history, real quick, Mo, I, I love to mention this. I know we've talked about it before, but I, I'm always fascinated about how we define things. And um, bef- the reason the depression was called the depression is that they had called them panics before that, and they thought, let's come up with something better than panic. Let's call it a depression. That sounds warm and fuzzy. But then depression, the depression was so bad, they said, we can't call it depression anymore. The term depression makes people panic. Let's say recession. And then 08 happened, and they're like, I know we're calling it a recession, but this is so bad. Let's call it the Great Recession. (laughs) (laughs) All right, Uh, I got that. I don't know if any of those terminologies (laughs) ever 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 eases anyone's mind right no um recession i mean we, we, there's talks now about are we entering a recession you know if or or, or a stag a stagflation and i know one of our podcasts uh, in the past we talked about inflation and and we talked about stagflation as well mm-hmm. but there's there's rumblings now are because of you know what's going on overseas not just overseas right but the market overall yeah and the economy are we entering a recession or, well, first of all, is Europe going to enter a recession if uh, Russia decides to shut off the uh, uh, distributing gas, mm-hmm. right, and mm-hmm. oil? Well, that's going to be that's going to have a major ripple effect uh, globally, but especially in Europe. Are they heading into a recession if that happens? Um, are we as an economy entering a stagflation where uh, r- there's rising costs but not much economic activity? Right. So we keep our eyes on the gas pumps. Right. If, if we continue seeing gas levels um, and pump levels at, you know, four and four and a quarter, four and a half, yeah. five dollars. You know, I think I think the other day I saw that someone paid like almost six dollars at a pump in California. You know, those those kind of levels can't can't last for long. Right. No. If that lasts like even two months, you know, that's that's we're in trouble. It's and not, not to not to make anyone feel bad, but. You know, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna sugarcoat it and call it any type of great recession, depression, recession, anything of that sort. It's mm-hmm. just we're in trouble. <laughs> well, okay, that's that's concerning um, because that's I concerning. have read. Are we heading to recession? And it, I was always um, uh, confused. In I know we're bouncing around with history here, but let's jump to 2020 and COVID 19. That was termed a recession, but it defied the standard definition of a recession that I have always understood as three quarters of negative growth. But we didn't have time to have had three quarters by the time they declared we were in a recession in 2020. Because right. it, it, it actually bounced back faster than we anticipated. Really fast, yeah. Really fast, right? So, you know, at one point, the S&P was down over 30, over 30 percent. And, um, you know, everything was just was chaotic. I mean, it, it's so crazy. That was two years ago, right? I know. Uh, but it, it feels to the it day. Feels like a long actually, time. we're on the two. Day, yeah, yeah. Uh, but it was it, it bounced back. I mean, the S and P finished that year up eighteen uh, percent, which is insane, right? And then um, we've 
that bounce back was so was so rapid that you know I I fear that those that you know sold and went into cash at that point you know missed a little missed a rebound big missed time rally, yeah missed it big time uh, yeah how do you know because I know you said you've had clients calling you now worried about I mean you you just said it and I've read are we nearing another recession. Um, what what's the can you give us a glimpse of what conversations you're having with those clients who are starting to get really concerned about what's happening now? Yeah, we, and it's it's amazing. Um, we've had clients uh, over the last really t- six weeks, really calling and asking, you know, what's going on. Um, some are just asking, like like literally, what's going on, right? Um, can you decipher all of the chatter we're hearing online, watching on TV? And can you like basically take all the fluff out and just tell me what's going on? Mm-hmm. Uh, so we've had those clients that that have asked us to kind of clarify things, mm-hmm. but then we've also had clients that have asked, you know, what are we doing in their portfolio to help uh, mitigate some of the risk? And then we've also had clients that have said, um, you know, what I am I'm worried, and I don't see this type of volatility um, stopping anytime soon. So I want you to go to cash and sell my positions. To go to cash go to cash, right? And although going to cash is never the 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 go-to for us, really, because we believe in staying in the market and investing over time, especially if you're a long-term investor, but at the end of the day, it's your money, right? You're hiring us to do a job. You're hiring us to give you our advice, pros and cons of different uh, scenarios, but and you give us the green light. But if you're giving us the green light after you know conversations, uh, and you still say go to cash, then we have to do our jobs, uh, which is you know serving you as our client, and we go to clack and we go to cash. But we take meticulous notes. We tell our compliance office um, that we you know a client is recommending us, not recommending us, is advising us mm-hmm. and directing us to go to cash, and you know we put in notes and we do it, we execute it. But then at that point, it's up to the client then to tell us when to go back if they want to go back into the market at all. Right. Because for us to execute going back into the market, now you're telling us to time it, right? Now you're telling us to time the perfect time to get back in. And we're not market timers. We're not going to do that. We don't believe in market timing. So um, that is a decision you're going to have to make on your own. But you can use history as a guide. So let's go back to another um, scary time, 2008, 09. Um, If you look at that, you can go back to that and see some moves that were made that were wrong and some that were right and try to mimic the right. Although it's still apples and oranges, but you can look at history. What do you see from 0809 that could have been done differently or is something we should practice now? I think diverse, I think, you know, diversification is huge, right? You, you, you want to be able to diversify, uh, have diverse. Well, I'll take a step back. One thing that I notice is uh, when we work with the clients and and put together investment strategies for clients is we get a sense of what their risk tolerance is, right? Well, first of all, we know what your plan is, right? So Dave, you're a client of ours and you want to plan for retirement. We we know when you want to retire. We have an idea of how much cash or how much income you want during retirement. We have an idea of what your social security benefits are going to be, if you have any pensions, what your total assets are, what your liabilities are. So we have an idea of what your plan is, Mm -hmm. right? And then we structure your investments accordingly to the plan. So your plan is successful. But what I noticed some clients uh, do, especially if they're working with um, 
brokers, for instance, or I won't, I won't bash a broker, but, but what I see most, some people do is they say, I'm aggressive, right? Dave, you could say, no, I'm aggressive. I'm an aggressive investor. Let's just go ahead and get the market returns and get as much market returns as we can. Mm -hmm. And the, some clients will literally put all of their assets in an aggressive mode, right? So if you had half a million dollars, all half a million dollars is invested uh, aggressively. Okay. Which when the market is is pumping, the market is humming, the market is doing well, then you 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 throw caution and win, right? Because everything is just going up. Yeah. Right. But then guess what? If the if there's any turbulence in the market and everything is invested aggressively, then if there is down swings in the market, then guess what? You're going to go down just like the market is and probably even more rapidly because you've taken on all the risk on the high side, but haven't put any type of protection measures for the downside volatility. And so you were, would be a, probably more okay if you were in your thirties or forties in that case, as opposed to being close to retirement in that case, because in time you would rebound based on history, right? You would think, right? Well, yeah. Yes. To answer your question is yes. But you would think that someone who is 30 or, you know, a little younger, who has more runway, more time horizon in, ahead of them would see it that way. But some of the calls we're getting are from younger, younger clients, people you know, clients okay. in their mid thirties that are saying, go to cash. Yeah. But know, they that, didn't even experience 08, 09. I mean, no, that their yeah. frame, their reference is past 08, 09. Most of their, their reference, if they're in their thirties, most of their time probably in the markets has been, High times, you know, high it's, five, pop the champagne corks. I mean, that's how no. it's been for a decade <laughs> or more. Yeah. I mean, that's what they've, that's what they've experienced. You know, they've never really seen much, much market volatility, you know, outside of like a week or two. Right. But they've never seen a season of volatility. Mm -hmm. They don't know that the U.S. have had, you know, like, I think it's like 50 recessions in its history. Mm -hmm. You know, they don't, they don't, they don't understand that. So, um, but anyway, going back to what I was saying, okay. If I go back, if I what we do for our clients is okay, Dave. You said you're aggressive, but let's carve out a plan so that we are respecting the volatility of the market, not just the volatility we're seeing today, but the volatility you will experience throughout the course of your life, right? I mean, we talked about. Uh, I mean, think about it. Since 2000, right? We had the dot com bubble, right? So that was what three years, maybe late 90s to early 2000 yeah. so that was a dot-com bubble then we had a 2008 housing crisis and then we had 2020 COVID. right so in a 20-year time frame we had three significant impacts significant milestones in the market and that's over 20 years right i'm not even going to include what happened uh with with the world trade center i'm going to include what happened in 2018 when you know, there were tariff talks with uh, China and, and the and the market was negative for that year. Uh, but anyway, so what we do is let's go ahead and carve out your assets. We can still be aggressive, but maybe we take a, 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 a an approach where we respect the market. So maybe, and with the arbitrary numbers out here, out of your 500,000, maybe we take, you know, 25% of it and do it in something that's a little more balanced. Right. So in the it's still going to be in a position to catch market growth. But in those seasons of volatility, it will it should it should stay strong. Right. And then what I say, 25, 25 percent. So mm -hmm. then maybe we take another uh, another 25 percent and put that more growth focus. Right. We still have 
you know, the, the, the objective to be growth focused. So we have, we have those assets that are, you know, directly going into some growth vehicles and then that leaves what 50%. And then the 50%, let's go out and get it. Let's make that the, the, the truly aggressive. Okay. Let's go out and get those returns. That's the one where you're, that's the money when you say, Mo, you know, let's go out and get these returns. But then when you look at that overall pie, we have assets that are favorable in seasons of growth, but we also have some assets that are favorable when seasons of volatility. And and that, in my opinion, is a great way to look at your assets, where everything isn't just moving in the, right, in the same direction. Uh, everything has different objectives. It's the buckets. They're different in different stages of your life um, as far as what goes in what, I guess. But right. the people- and those assets change throughout time, right? I mean, what's what's considered aggressive in this environment can yeah. change in, in an environment where interest rates are low, inflation is low, market is doing great, economy is humming, unemployment is low, right? So whatever assets that seem very attractive in those in those. Uh, uh, in those seasons, mm-hmm. you know, those that would those could change, but those assets are can change um, during seasons of volatility. You know, we'll go back to 2020 for about a six week period. Some of our growth investors were in bonds. And you say to yourself, well, how in the world is that aggressive? Well, if everything else is losing 20 percent and I can get and I can get you one. Isn't that aggressive? Yeah. First, first, right. small season. Well, that I would say you'd have to be aggressive if everyone is losing that much and you're still in the plus side. And you're still in the plus side, even if you're yeah. plus one, but everything you're else is down 10. Right, that's exactly. A, that's, a little bit, that's a little bit aggressive, mm-hmm. right, for that season, right? And so that way we don't have to continue absorbing all the losses. But, we're spo- but at the end of the day, we're still invested, right? We're just... You know, we're actively allocating to make sure that your assets are positioned accordingly. Now, you said you had clients saying, um, hey, I'm I'm going all cash. And I know that's not in mayonnaise jars buried in the backyard. <laughs> what, <laughs> so where and it's not in a savings account. I mean, where, where can you put that? What's what's cash? I know what cash is, but what's cash and what we're talking about? Cash it's, could be. A high yield saving, literally, literally a savings account, right? A high yield savings account, uh-huh. like getting point point fives FDIC insured, so the market tanks. You know, you still have your whatever your dollars in the high yield savings account. Uh, cash could be like a fixed instrument, right? So maybe going to a fixed uh, money market that's going to give you, you know, point two five percent, right? Some type of fixed fixed wow. interest you're getting. And inflation uh, is where as of yesterday seven point nine. Seven point nine. Yeah, I just you know, man, uh, I don't mean to laugh, but I mean that's just like I've heard losing money safely. Yeah, losing money, losing money safely is is that's exactly what that term terminology means, where we're putting our money in instruments that aren't even keeping up with the cost of living. Right. So you're so you're buying your purchasing power is just losing value, just because everything else is going up. Oh. Um, yeah, cash can just literally literally mean ca- cash, right? You could still have your investment cash, account. Yeah. But it's just sitting in a money market that's that's not doing anything. How much cash do you carry around with you? I mean, do you always have some with you? I this is a pet peeve of mine. <laughs> so you know, I have I have four kids. Um, two of them are younger, 
uh, meaning well, two of them are younger, and they're uh, what? Grayson's fifteen, and Olivia's twelve. I had to think about that, right? No, <laughs> yeah, of course, uh, fifteen and eleven. But they play soccer. They all are are active soccer, uh-huh. football, whatever it may be. But when we go to these games, uh, to their games, you know, it's like five or ten dollars to go to the games. Yeah, but they all take cash and only cash, and, right? And only cash. Uh-huh. So as I'm driving there, pulling into this, pulling into the field, I, I'm like, "Oh crap! I have cash on me." <laughs> I, I got to turn I around, go to a, go to a, go to a, go to a bank, get some cash out, and so I normally, I mean, I probably have maybe on a good day a hundred bucks on me. I don't cash. even have that. I, I and that's I, a good day. That, I, but then if it's a hundred dollar bill, nobody can break it. I, um, I, um, I should have some and, but I'm guilty of never having any, I I had a craving for a hot dog and I was in a small town and I knew this place that had good hot dogs and it looks like a, somebody's shed. They keep the lawnmower in. That's a good good place. Oh, it is. Oh, they were good. (laughs) So you pull up in the parking lot and the, um, the, whoever staff comes out to you. It's not like you do on a speaker. They physically come to your car. What you want, Shug? And um, there was yeah, Shug and Hun. <laughs> and I ordered two hot dogs all the way with slaw. And uh, and then they already shook. And so they go back. And I'm thinking, oh, no. I bet they don't take debit cards. Because a lot of places won't take, you know, like that. Won't take it. Yeah. Yeah, they don't take it. Um, it's, it's like they don't want that. It's that extra, a little bit of extra. Um, I, I guess that they pay. But I, when she came back, I said, please tell me you take debit cards. She said, oh, yeah, it's going to be extra charge, though, Shug. And, <laughs> and I said, well, how much, baby? <laughs> no, I didn't. And, but it was turned out to be nothing. But I have there are places that refuse to take it. And it just yeah. drives me insane. Well, yeah, we went to uh, uh, where did we go? We went to Gatlinburg last year, uh-huh. Pigeon Forge, Gatlinburg, and went to a pancake breakfast. Uh, it was a whole family, so it was, ooh, it was probably fifteen of us, maybe. Mm-hmm. And they do not take credit, plastic, wow. any, any form of plastic. It's yeah. all cash. Oh, that's so a family of fifteen mm. having that cash available. Yeah, I mean, come on. Uh, Who's got that kind of cash? (laughs) It's a pet peeve of mine, too. We'll take a quick break and just kind of have a wrap-up on this uh, great conversation, as always. The podcast, Your Finances Untangled. I may want to try to get Mo's take on what the executive order, a, a quick take on what the crypto executive order could mean. can you enjoy the best of both worlds in your financial planning, the convenience of a virtual relationship with your advisor, but also maintaining the human touch? That's CloudVestors. That's CloudVestors.com. That's a relationship you can trust. At CloudVestors, you get a personal relationship with one of the team advisors who will help you build a robust investment strategy. It's all about specific, customized planning for your unique situation and for wherever you are in life, whether you're just starting out or getting close to retirement. Holistic financial planning in all areas, including taxes, estate planning, insurance, cash flow, and budgeting. They even offer customized personal websites for clients. The technology of today while still maintaining that human touch. That's Cloudvestors. That's cloudvestors.com. 
Hey, we're back with the closing segment of this week's podcast, which is always your finances untangled. But we're looking at market volatility. We've looked at the history of market crashes. Mo has talked about uh, strategies that he and the team at um, Cloudvestors employ on behalf of their clients. And it's not a cookie cutter strategy. It's based on um, the client's financial situation. It's based on the, the client's appetite for risk. You know, so they base it on a lot, but they they craft these financial plans for all stages of people's lives and for all situations in the markets, whether we're roaring like we have been or whether we're in volatility, volatility like we are now. You know, we were talking about people in their 30s. And if you think about it, sometimes I, I love to wrap my mind around timelines and people in their 30s today, when 0809 happened, they would have been... What would they have been? Um, how long ago was that? <laughs> uh, well, wait, it's 14 years. 14 years ago. So they so really weren't been... investing if they're in the, what's 35 minus 14? They 21. Okay. Well, they, yeah, probably not. I mean, maybe in, some were, in, were, but. They were investing in their next beer. And next beer. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But this, this is another thing with timelines It's it's amazing how people don't wrap their brain around time. Um, I was, I've been in conversation with radio music programmers and they'll want to play a song and let's say it's current music in the format. And they'll say, I don't see anything wrong with playing this song. And I'm like, do you realize that song is from 1957? (laughs) And I'll tell them if that, yeah, but it's a timeless hit. I said, think about this now. If in 1980, so that was 65 years ago, 1957. If in 1980, someone like you programming a radio station in 1980 said, I think we ought to play this song from 65 years ago. That would be 1915. So you would play, (laughs) let's see, what was out in 1980? Uh, Something like Blondie. You know, and go from Blondie into Buffalo Gals, won't you come out tonight? Come out tonight. <laughs> but, and then they go, I see the light bulb come on their head. They said, Oh, you're right. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you're right. Okay. Makes sense. There's, to me there's now. some songs that are timeless, though. Some songs. Buffalo Gals, won't you come out tonight? Is that one of them? <laughs> no, I know what you mean. There are some. Okay, let's get it on. Marvin Gaye. That's uh, timeless. You that is, I think, the perfect example of timeless, a yeah. timeless song. But yeah, it's still most aren't. Most are dated sounding. Most are yes. Yeah. All right. So um, I I mentioned I just wanted to quiz you on this, and then we were we were talking about uh, the fact that maybe doing a uh, podcast next week on crypto. We've got some good information, and one thing we could bring into the conversation next week, and we can just lightly touch on it now, is the executive order uh, mm-hmm. with crypto this week. Um, how does that change the whole cryptocurrency game? It 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 changes a lot, and it's and yeah, it changes it a lot. I mean, the executive order, which was signed, like you said earlier this week, is really th- the federal agencies are basically looking at a way to. Uh, maybe approach some type of regulation or oversight on like digital assets, you know, not just cryptocurrency, but just digital assets, excuse me. You know, NFTs have been another digital asset that have been, uh, you know, uh, uh, leading the headlines in the crypto space. So the, the executive order is, is looking for ways to 
to protect the consumer and the investor, looking at financial stability of, of crypto, um, how to address any type of illicit activity, you know, how can the U.S. be more competitive in the crypto space in, in a global scale? Um, how do we include financial institutions in this in this area um, and, and, and way to, ways to innovate? And even, even looking at a digital dollar, you know, they want to explore the idea of having a digital, a digital version of the dollar. So, um, yeah, the executive order is, is, that was passed is it's big, right? We, it's all about the execution, right? But just the announcement right. of the government basically in some aspects, uh, uh, I won't say legitimizing crypto, but actually thinking of it as uh, it's real. They're, they're basically- And it's acknowledging they, they, that it's real. Yeah, they're, acknowledging, they're acknowledging that it's real. Uh-huh. And if it's and if it's real, then how do we how do we participate? Uh, yeah. And also maybe figure out ways to tax it. Right? I thought sure when I read be that- some taxes going oh, on. Oh, of course. In, in, in this executive order. You know, I thought when I first read that, that, that he was considering, you know, going to sign that, I thought, oh man, this is going to be panic. And it really didn't. I know you said it was down, but I even read headlines that said it was a pleasant surprise to many in the crypto world because of the, the fact that it was vague. But I have, I have, I have, I, I don't know that much about crypto. I mean, I really don't. It, it's still, I can't get my mind totally wrapped around it. However, I do know this. It's like the Wild West. And I think we've said this before, but the sheriff is riding into town, you know, because it's like guns slinging, walk, stepping outside of the saloon in the dirt street, shooting and rooting and tooting. And it's the Wild West. But uh, at some point, the sheriff's going to ride in. I know it's going to happen. Yeah, yeah. I think one of the things, again, we'll talk about crypto on the next podcast, but I think one of the things that, again, I'm not an expert in crypto at all. So uh, those who are listening, do not email us and say, well, you've got it all wrong. This is not how crypto works. That's not I'm, your, I'm, yeah. I'm letting you right know right now, <laughs> I am not an expert in crypto. But I, I, when I think about crypto, I think about, you know, how do... How do, how do we actually utilize it for on a day-to-day basis? I think once that's like, uh, how does that as a consumer, if I buy, if I have a thousand, whatever coins you can think of, crypto, Ethereum, um, uh, Doge, whatever coin it is, whatever cryptocurrency I have, how do I go to my local grocery store and buy my milk with my crypto? I think once there's a way to figure that out, maybe the digital dollar, yeah. that's something, right? But if there's a way that I, as a consumer, can go to uh, pay my bills or you know fill up my gas tank with, uh-huh. with crypto, I think that's that'll be a game changer in some areas. Yeah, I, uh, I agree. I, so I think Shake that's Shack. coming. Don't you? I mean, don't you? We can get it yeah, more next week. It's but, I did yeah. see a Shake Shack. Uh, they're they're partnering with I think Cash App, which uh-huh. is like which is basically owned by Square. Uh, well, I guess now it's called Block, and uh, there's a program going in where I think you have to spend a, uh, I don't know, it's like, don't quote me on it, but you have to spend some type of, maybe 15 bucks or something like that. Uh-huh. And minimum. they'll give you, yeah, like a minimum of like 15 bucks or something like that. And they'll give you um, uh, uh, like a discount on crypto, but you have to use Cash App to buy it. 
Good gracious. Well, they got to find a way to simplify that. That's too yeah, many hoops and, to jump through. And, and so what they're trying to, what, what the Cash App and Square and Share and Shake Shack trying to do is work on that type of relationship, right? You can't buy your burger with the crypto, but you can get, you can be incentivized by using, by going to Shake Shack, you can be incentivized by buying crypto. So it's in some way of a relationship of still trying to figure out that that integration between the, your normal consumer, your normal uh, purchasing with crypto. Can you imagine getting behind that person in that transaction in line at the drive through at Shake Shack? <laughs> What's taking them so long? Well, they're having to log into Cash App and then they're. <laughs> oh, by the way, I won. Um, uh, well, it's a, just a friendly bet I have with someone. I bet them that I would sing, find a way to sing Buffalo Gals. Won't you come out tonight in the podcast oh, today? And there it, you go. Yeah. So I'm getting a little cryptocurrency myself no i didn't really go. bet that no i really didn't i'm i've always have i love that argument i have with music programmers that sometimes i have to pull them back into reality well next week we will talk a little bit more about crypto it's it's another yeah. one of the hot topics now so we'll get into it great job mo love the conversation oh thank you thank you dave thank you dave as always uh, and yeah in, the, in these you know uh, as a first of all What's going on overseas, just as, as a end note, you know, what's going on overseas is a tragedy. You know, prayers go out to yes. everyone in Ukraine. Uh, I saw the other day that I think it's like one million people are, are fleeing or to, to Poland or terrible. fleeing to Poland. It's awful. So it's terrible, right? Um, and, you know, as much as I, I you know, want to play light for this podcast, you know, a lot, a lot of tragedies are going on. And in the market, people are losing money, right? There's well, just no yeah. ands or buts about yeah. it. But, you know, we, we want to stay focused. We want to stay, uh, uh, have long-term, if you're a long-term investor, remember your long-term plan and maybe use this time to really ask yourself, what kind of uh, uh, risk taker am I? Maybe this is a conversation to talk about risk tolerance. And, you know, when you see that the S&P is down 10%, uh, you know, is that the type of risk that I'm willing to take? Uh, and 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 maybe it's a time to reallocate, revamp your investment strategies. If you haven't invested in the market uh, ever, then I would say that this is this could be a, a potential buying opportunity, right? If the the stocks that you've all heard about before that you've always wanted to get into are a little high, right? Well, were a little high before, mm-hmm. and now they're a little bit of they're they're discounted now, right? Yeah. Because they're Ten percent down, five percent down, whatever it is, this could be the opportunity to invest. Um, but it's all it's all it's all about having a sound strategy in mind, and um, and having a a sounding board to to talk to. Uh, to to help guide you through these times. And that's what we do at Cloudbusters. Well, and you hear Mo on, on these podcasts, and he's a great representative of the kind of human connection you make with, a the, as again, the ease of virtual financial planning, but with that human touch. And you can learn more at the website, cloudvestors.com, cloudvestors.com. Yeah, next, on the next podcast, we'll do crypto. In the meantime, thanks so much for joining us, and please stay with us on Your Finances Untangled. Be sure to rate review and share this podcast new episodes of your finances untangled are available on apple podcasts or wherever you download your podcasts 
Investment advisory services offered through Foundations Investment Advisors, LLC, an SEC-registered investment advisor. Moise Param and his guests provide general information, not personalized advice, and are not liable for the usage of information discussed. The opinions expressed on this program are not intended to be a recommendation or investment advice and do not constitute a solicitation to buy, sell, or hold a security or an investment strategy. This information should also not be considered tax or legal advice. Past performance is not a guarantee of future results. Investments will fluctuate and when redeemed may be worth more or less than when originally invested. Any comments regarding safe and secure investments and guaranteed income streams refer only to fixed insurance products. They do not refer in any way to securities or investment advisory products. Fixed insurance guarantees are subject to the claims paying ability of the issuing company.